That's not the final line of the podcast, you pretentious dick. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Style Guide with your hosts, Dave Morris and Stephen Orr. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing pretty good, Steve. Uh, nice to hear you. Nice to hear your voice, as always. Nice to hear your voice, as always. Yeah, I'm a little sleepy. I, I got up really early today. You got up? Re- Why did you get up early today? I went for breakfast with a friend, so it's been like a like I was up at like six thirty. That is that is too early to be awake for anything, really. Yeah, but hey, it it was good. It was a good day. It was, I've already got a lot done, and it's still early, so that's nice. Well, great. And now, uh, now we get to talk today about cannons. Yeah, and not the. Uh, the um the the weapon of war uh, that shoots cannonballs at opponents, but the word cannon with one n. Well, I guess it still has two n's, <laughs> but <laughs> but cannon without three n's, I should say. Um, Nailing it. Uh, such as such as <laughs> the selected pieces of a body of work. I guess is how you, how we could define it quickly. Yeah, as in a literary or a fictional canon. Uh, a body of works. Yeah, yeah, a body of works. So, what is canon in this universe, sort of, so to speak? <laughs> <laughs> really awesome. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what we're talking about today. We're we're talking about canon, which uh, which comes from a Greek word meaning a standard or that against which you measure something. Yeah, yeah. I think I've also seen it translated into things like rules or or the 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 measuring the measurement of. Hello. Oh, sorry. I thought the measurement of, and then there was going to be more words to that. <laughs> no, no. Like it translates into the measurement of dot dot dot. Like that's what it translates into. <laughs> it could be you have rules, uh, some sort of uh, measurement, or something like that. Right, right. And and the word does have a a uh, religious connotation. Of course, it it comes from uh, when it was u- first used for texts, biblical scriptures, the canonical biblical books, and then the apocrypha. So, yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. where it started, and and we didn't really start using it beyond uh, beyond the Bible apparently until we started talking about Sherlock Holmes, which is an interesting little nugget. fascinating. Yeah, apparently the the distinction was first made in something like 1910. Uh, between the original Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes stories, and then which were canonical, and then those who wrote, you know, the the kind of parodies of Sherlock Holmes that came after. Fascinating! I did not know that. Yeah, so yeah, wow. I mean, straight from the Wikipedia's. Yeah, well, fascinating. Well, so so canon, so canon. Now we know what it is. We know where the word kind of came from. Um, and I think, uh, one thing about the, where the word came from is with a building of a canon, like a biblical canon or a, a Sherlock Holmesian canon, there is a person who is, uh, sort of announcing and saying what the works are. Or in the case of the Bible, I think it was like a, a group of people who were deciding what gets included and what does not get included and building the quote unquote canon, uh, by their opinion, so there's like a, an authority that decides what counts constitutes canon. Uh, is that would you would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. The concept, I think that's a good way to do it. The concept of an authority that decides which which works 
are the standard, are are acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. At least historically, that is how it has been. Yeah. Yeah. And with the Bible, I think that it's it's really quite straightforward where, you know, the books get separated into the Apocrypha and the canonical uh, books. And um, even something like Sherlock Holmes, there's a there's a way in which you could say that that's moderately straightforward. You know, whoever wrote Sir Arthur, like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, whatever he wrote is is quote unquote canon and then everything else isn't. I mean, in the original, you know, 1910 sense, but I think the reason that you and I are talking about it today is because it's a, a bit murkier a concept. Yeah, and and uh, how it has become used now more in pop culture than anything else. Like, I don't think people think often of biblical canon. Like, it's kind of like it's been decided, and everyone's just like, that is how it's been decided. But when it comes to our modern-day pop culture, uh, things like... Star Wars, the Marvel Universe, um, Star Trek, uh, what else, what else? Lots of canons. Uh, Buffy, Harry Potter. Harry Potter, Buffy and Angel, like Firefly, like there's lots of, of modern examples of things where there are other works in sp- based in that universe that are not canon. Uh, and that I think is where most people will be familiar with the word. Yeah, and I mean, it's also something we see in a lot of video game culture, uh, especially when they transcend to different mediums as well. And so, you know, our video game movies, canon, quote unquote, mm-hmm. our particular installments of a game still canonical. These these sorts of questions, I think you're right to point to how widespread they become in pop culture and how rare it is for people to think about it in a religious sense. Yeah, although I think uh, a, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Dan Godlovich, who is a musician, says anytime he hears the word canon in a conversation, he just tunes out and leaves <laughs> because it's gotten to that point where the conversation is about what is canon and he's not interested. <laughs> well, and there is one other place where, I mean, beyond the the, the broad pop culture question uh, of canon where we see it, and it's in academia. I mean, obviously, you know, in in academia, we like to debate the finer points of what matters and what doesn't. And one of the one of the things that there's a lot of questions around is, you know, for example, in English literature, what are the canonical works of the English language? The those works which we judge all the other works by. Sure. And that's similar to the pop culture one, but it it takes a, a slightly more divergent. Uh, perspective because it's trying to ask uh, i guess what is what is the best or or what are what are the what are the absolute pinnacle by which everything else will be compared as opposed to the pop culture sense as in which are the ones that are legitimate or count yeah definitely i I mean like i would think of it as as uh three kind of separate things where there's the biblical canon where the authority was very clear who the authority was and so they decided what the canon was um then there's the pop culture one where it is a little murkier who the authority is and so the canon discussion goes on forever and then there's the academia world where it seems like it's people fighting over who has the authority to decide (laughs) so it's like the authority is fight like they're trying to figure out who is the authority i don't know you can correct me if that doesn't sound close to you I mean, I I think that's an interesting way to put it, and I think that's part of a 
a broader conversation. And guess what? Guess what? That's what I'm doing my PhD dissertation on. So we can talk oh. about that uh, when I actually finish. Looking forward to it. <laughs> but we're we're going to stick to the pop culture canon conversation today. Mostly, I think. I think mostly, but but I, I am interested in the academic version of it because I think it, it there's some spillover there into just this general concept of canon and how important it's become to people. Like what what is the canonical Batman story? Especially in a world which we've talked about many times on this podcast, in a world where things are being remade and sequeled and sidequeled so much that it is starting to become very difficult to sift through and find what is the canonical Batman. I think I've read so many different um, ways that Batman became Batman. They all have one thing in common, which is that his parents got shot. Um, But where it goes from there changes depending on which story you look at. Well, and I I think that's, I mean, the, the superhero genre is one of the, one of the deeper, uh, deeper questions because it, it crosses so many different mediums. I mean, in, with regards to, to Batman's origin story, let alone, uh, you know, Batman, the true character of Batman, you could go to any video game console and pick out a game that has Batman in it. You could go to any comic book store, find Batman novels. Uh, it, it's, it's such a uh, movies. It's such a, a broad question. The old TV show. The, the old uh, Adam he, West TV show. Yeah, where he like wore blue. Oh, man, that's my canonical Batman, just for the record. <laughs> sure. But that's 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 one of the more more interesting sorts of questions. So I mean, you you talked about how Batman's parents always get shot, and and that's kind of the core of of the yeah, Batman story. That's a that is a fact in Batman's origin. But the details of that fact are constantly in flux. Whether he was shot by they were shot by uh, a mobster's like henchman because the his parents were closing like like weren't signing deals or whether he was shot by they were shot by the joker when the joker was a young like a street criminal uh it changes depending on which version of the story you're seeing uh but he they do always get shot and he does always become batman (laughs) and he's a billionaire and his name's bruce wayne there are some facts that that cross that that go across all those uh those mediums right right so i mean i guess I guess my first question is, um, when when we when we try and identify a canonical take, what is it we're looking for? Because I don't, it, it, that that's one of those things where I don't necessarily even understand the question. I totally agree, and I think I want to take it one step even further from that. Okay. Into the question of why do people? Let's start with this question: Why do people even care? What is canonical? Hmm. Like, why do we, and this is the thing that has always fascinated me about canon and people fighting over whether the Star Trek books are considered canonical into the TV show universe and the fighting that happens between people over whether or not they include those and into such things as the birth of the term head canon, which is your own personal canon, which completely removes the word and definition canon and you might as well just say what i think um but um but the term head canon has come around and this idea that we we want to know what is the official 
take on this story or universe or storyline and uh why why is that why why are we obsessed with it one of the one of the areas where i think these these debates start to emerge is pointing to star trek and star star wars is i think one way to go with it but another i think firefly is is a good example so the, we've talked about the Firefly TV series and how it was just this brief, you know, moat in the wind and then it disappeared. And that's, you know, it other yeah. than the other than the Serenity movie, movie, right? And the Serenity movie is canon, right? Yeah, and, yeah, sure. And then and then you, OK, well, uh, what 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 makes the Serenity movie canonical and what makes as opposed to any other sort of take on that? And and there's one sense in which, well. Joss Whedon was responsible for it, and you know, Joss Joss Whedon created Firefly, and he gets to say what's in the Firefly universe. Mm-hmm. But why that matters to you and I, as audience members, is a more interesting question. I think. Like, why does it matter whether or not um, the Adventures of Han Solo, which was a book that was a written after the original Star Wars came out, and it's just a book about Han Solo and Chewie flying around the universe going on adventures, just the two of them. Why does it matter whether or not that's canon? To me, to the universe. Why does the um, the like stories from the Enderverse, where you read like short stories that Orson Scott Card wrote within the world of the Enderverse about how he meets Jane and about how his parents met, why does that matter in my enjoyment of the original work and the only thing i can think that would matter is if it somehow contradicts it or answers a question that i don't want answered right or i am unsatisfied with so in the example of of star wars if han solo ends up being able to use the force in the adventures of han solo and he can like use the force and be he's all of a sudden a jedi that would taint the original storyline because he clearly doesn't have the force uh, so it kind of goes against it. Or if perhaps in Firefly we find out uh, all about Shepard Book's backstory and how he became this, how, how he was a badass assassin or something. And it's something that we didn't like. We don't like the answer to that. We'd like the mystery more. And so we don't consider it canon because we'd like to imagine different things. Like those are two of the, the two reasons I can think we would have, a, we would even want to make sure there's something that is official versus just like a bunch of fun stories. The logical consistency question is, I think, an important one. We we accept a lot of nonsense in storytelling, and we accept a lot of ambiguity in storytelling because we can't have the whole story in any medium because of the nature of the limits of that medium. And so there are things that we're not going to know, and there are things that we're not going to find out. But, you know, the... The, the Shepherd book example in, in Firefly, they do, I think, in the comics, go into Shepherd book's, you know, backstory and, and, and more details about, you know, how, how he becomes the, the badass that he is. Um, and, and that, I think, in, in one sense is okay. But if you were to tell a story where Shepherd book, you know, Instead, it's a story about how Shepard Book, you know, spent all his time on a farm and was never actually a badass and all that was just a, um, is, is never referenced and just a cool farming story about Shepard Book. It, it breaks the, the narrative or what we thought the narrative of the other story to be in a way that makes it hard to reconcile for the audience and the reader. And I guess that's one of the, 
the things that a the idea of a canon does, right? It sets up the limits of the world that we believe to be true. Yeah, although sometimes still the canon itself might do that. Like like Ender's Game, the Enderverse, uh the story of uh of uh, Ender's Shadow where we follow Bean and that like, you know, undercuts Ender a little bit. Uh so when you read the original story, you're like, "Oh, this wasn't actually like Ender being amazing. Bean actually picked this whole army for him and of course they were brilliant." Um, and it kind of takes away a little bit of Ender's thunder, but uh, at the same time, it's like that is canon, and whether or not it's canon doesn't affect how I think about the story. And and yet at the same time, I think that that's a good example of where we do get some of those debates from people who go, "Oh no, I I don't I don't look at the Shadow series as uh, as canon," which which is uh, that head canon idea where I've decided what I think is my canon for. Or it, or it gets away from the author being able to to be the judge of what counts and what doesn't, right? Yeah. Which, which gets into what your question was originally to me, which is how do we decide what is canon, right? Yeah, well, yeah, and and who who gets to to make those sorts of decisions, right? And I think in the I think in, in something like Ender's Game, it's pretty clear who gets to make the decision. Uh, is it's the writer who writes the story? Even though he may decide to contradict some of his other works, which he does in like the uh, the um, what's the one the journey between the books that the one that comes between Speaker for the Dead and Ender's Game, Ender in Exile, Ender in Exile. So the Ender in Exile book does change some facts from the original series, but he can do that. It's his story, and it is canon. It is officially what happened according to the author. So like. Who are we to say that young Anakin Skywalker was not born of the Force? And we just decide that the prequels don't count. We can't say that. They were made by the original creator. They count. One of the areas where it gets tricked. So Orson Scott Card, he wrote the Enders books, period. Like, that's period. that's the case. Um, they're, they're all his. George Lucas didn't wholly create the Star Wars universe. Definitely not, yeah. And and so th that's where it gets into this trickier sort of question where let's even just say the Star Wars movies and let's say the first six movies. George Lucas wasn't the sole party responsible for that universe. And he didn't do all the writing even. Yeah, and and so so the, the kind of the questions about George Lucas deciding that Anakin was born of the Force becomes this, this weirder sort of concern with, well... I mean, he didn't have he didn't have the quote unquote right to to go back and make those sorts of decisions that weren't true to the universe is, I think, where these sorts of questions start to get murkier as media becomes more and more widespread in its creators and and designers like Batman. There's one, one of the reasons why it's hard to say who the true Batman is, is there are infinity versions of the character written yeah. by everybody who has, you know, access to a comic book. Yeah. And uh, and with Star Wars 2, like the rights have been sold to Disney now. So does that mean since they own the rights, they decide what is canon? And that's exactly what Disney did when they bought when they bought it. Right. Like they went and they said, the these are the canonical Star Wars stories. Everything else is essentially uh, an alternate universe. Le uh, I think Legacy Star Wars or whatever they called it, yeah. and is not canon anymore. 
which is uh are they allowed to make that decision like uh is canon something that can be altered and changed like can they just one day remake the prequels uh one two and three and actually make them good and remove all the crap we didn't like from them and say that these are the canon prequels can they then remake a new hope originally called star wars and uh and remake that story and say actually the first new hope is not canon this is now the canon like can they do that is are the is the person who owns it solely responsible for what is canon and and I think that those are the sorts of ways that we get into the to the murkiness of it. So we you know we have talked at at length about the Ender's books and we have we have our our perspectives on them. But it's it's easy enough when there's a single party involved. But like the Dune books are another example where Frank Herbert passed away uh, after Chapter House Dune, and then his his son and another author took up writing prequels interquels and sequels to the original books and claims that they're based on you know uh, his father's uh, original notes in some way and and it's a it's a huge matter of debate between dune fans about whether i mean a whether those books are good or not but b whether or not they are canon and that is to say a whether they they're true and fit to uh, frank herbert's original vision or B, whether they may may not uh, fit to his original vi- vision, but are still true. Yeah, and I think here's the, the 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 other thing that falls into the murkiness of it creates the murkiness is this sense that, uh, and same with you get this in competition as well. Once you start putting that into art, where when we are trying to decide what is a canonical meter, like what is a what is one meter, right? It's a measurement that we can all measure exactly and decide, haha, this is a this is the this is a meter and it's a truth and it's a fact and we all use it. Uh, and the biblical canon, we don't need to talk too much about religion or anything, but was was the fact that these are the true stories that were inspired by God or written by God or whatever the religion we're talking about is uh and so that canon was meant to be the truth and the true measurement and the rule and the measuring stick blah 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 but when it comes to art art is is not uh about facts it isn't something that is perfectly measured i mean we spend so much time on this podcast talking about different art forms and genres and trying to measure them and always failing but trying because you can't quite measure it perfectly. So is it even possible to have a canonical uh, body of artistic works because it's just expression? You know, does that make sense? There, there, there's a sense in which I, I think I, I agree with that concept. I mean, you know, is there a con- canonical Batman? Uh, no, it's just there are there are many different expressions of Batman. Yeah, and even so, like here's the here's the other thing. Even if there was only one story of Batman, because of how storytelling works and art works, part of the story is up to you, the watcher or reader, to to imagine, to invest in. And it's this, it's a, it's a, I give you words and you create a story about it, and you decide what, like the the character does something, and you as the watcher decide what their motivation for doing that was. So the 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 canonical Batman character, even if there's only one story, we all have different interpretations of what Batman meant by that. 
Uh, and therefore, it's kind of like it's a it's an artistic expression. It's not a, a factual thing that we can all agree on. Does that make sense? Am I getting into the weeds here? No, no, I don't. I, I don't think you're getting too much into the weeds. But I mean, I think this is where parallels with with academia, I think, are are helpful. I mean, so in in political philosophy, there's a set of canonical thinkers, and they are they are the thinkers who. We, we point to and we say these thinkers represent Western political philosophy. You're talking about like Locke and Hobbes and uh, those other people. Heide Heidegger, Heidegger probably. Uh, uh, Heidegger probably wouldn't be considered canonical by some um, and and has to do with the fact that, I, I mean, now, now we're now we're getting into the weeds, but be, be, <laughs> the difference between uh, contemporary political thought and and older. But you know, people. This goes all the way back to someone like Plato and Plato and Aristotle and Aquinas and and all the way up to someone like uh, Marx or Nietzsche, and and we we agree that these thinkers were the best quote unquote, whatever yeah. that means. And, and we agree that they, they should be taught and they should be studied and they should be, and we should, we should reread their texts. And we even point to particular texts by these people who we think are, that we think are the best texts. And it's not necessarily the case that we're, we're saying, oh, well, political philosophy can't look at questions outside of these. But what we're trying to say is that this is the foundation upon which everything else should and does rest. Mm -hmm. And when you look at something like, uh, you know, the, the history of political philosophy, you can kind of see a way that that makes sense, right? Where, where people are continuing to build on the questions and answers laid out by Plato in his Republic, you know, thousands of years ago. It's not as clear what, what that foundation is trying to be in something like uh, the Star Trek universe, yeah, because and again in in uh, social, uh, political science, political philosophy, those are real life people that we're talking about here, and real contributions to the the uh, the science, right, or the the philosophy. Whereas in art, we're talking about like fictional stories and fictional works. Uh, that have no clear end or beginning. You know, they're just like fiction. It's a story. Uh, so trying to decide what gets included. Like, I mean, there are people who don't include the prequels as Star Wars. Just because they hate them that much. You might be one of them. Well, and... So what? Like, let's, let, let's, let's take the, the, this from the other direction. So... Okay, let's say that I don't think the the Star Wars prequels are uh, are canonical. I don't. I, yeah. I think they're stupid. I think that they're not only are they they bad films, but they're poorly thought out films, and they don't fit with the universe. That and they contradict things. Yeah. 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 And so I don't consider them to be true Star Wars stories. What's the matter with that? Nothing. But it's where it's where the word canon starts to lose its its uh its meaning i guess and that it's like your canon versus my canon uh means that if we both have a canon then there is no canon right canon is based on agreement 
uh, amongst a group of people or an authority of people or the general public or some form of agreement. And I think this is where, when it gets to popular culture, since everyone has their own opinions about what they'd like to include and what they don't like to include, there's an infinite number of canons, which therefore means there's like no canon. Does that make does that make sense? And I, I think maybe I'm, t- I'm taking this to the extreme because I'm sure there aren't an infinite number of Star Wars canons. There's only so many movies you can choose to include or not, right? There's a finite number of combinations but um and the majority will probably rest somewhere between uh including all of the movies but not the books you know like yeah i think that's fair to say but hypothetically we could end up in a situation where there are a lot people decide that like no everyone considers tim burton's batman to be canon but they also consider the old black and white uh, the old like a uh, blue batman tv show to be canon as well in their canonical Batmans because those are the ones they like the best. And they somehow find a way to reconcile that together in their own mind. <laughs> well, and, 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 and I think the, the language there is, is important that there, I think there has to be a distinction between what you like, what you like, not even just like the best, but what you actually like and, and what, what is a standard like you, the the best of something isn't necessarily the one that you enjoy the most. And, I mean, so Stanley Kubrick is a good example. Stanley Kubrick is not the, the sort of director that necessarily I will sit down and I will say, man, I sure love, uh, I really enjoy watching these films. I don't, there are many yeah. films that I enjoy watching more. In fact, Star Wars, for example. But I I will recognize that as a piece of film... 2001 for example is maybe the pinnacle of cinema or or high up there yeah it belongs in the film the greatest films canon or whatever that canon would be called (laughs) yeah well and and i i I think that that's where we get into this debate where it we want to say oh well these are the things that are important to me and so i'm i'm using canon to mean these are the things that are important to me as opposed to Let's take a step back and look at these things and say, what is what is objectively good or great about them? Like the star the Star Wars movies, Ewoks. Yeah, Ewoks. Are, Ewoks are canon, even yeah. though Ewoks are stupid. Mm-hmm. And 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 so the the question becomes, well, what's what's the point of what I'm trying to say with that? And it's like, well, I don't like Ewoks. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the the that doesn't take away from what Star Wars is. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, and I guess it's like uh, the the version of the story that you like. Uh, who cares whether or not you like it? Uh, that doesn't make it or not make it canon. So if I don't like the Firefly comic books, it doesn't mean that they aren't canon within the universe of Firefly, right? Uh, it just means that I don't care for them, so I just ignore them. And if I want to ignore that part of the canon, I'm welcome to do that, but it doesn't make it, uh, it doesn't make it canon or not, whether I like it. Yeah. And then I think that there, the, the opposite does have an interesting question. Like it is, I don't know if we should necessarily say that all of the Firefly comics are canon and, and not just because I like them or don't like them. I actually haven't really read more than a few pages of them. But because when we say the Firefly canon, what do we mean by that statement before we put start putting stuff into it? And if it's things that Joss Whedon created, I don't think he created all the comics. So maybe that's not him. Is it things that are 
true in this sort of subjective sense to the Firefly universe, well, then it's hard to say what's in there. Yeah, and I think with uh, Firefly, and again, this is the thing with the the one creator of the work. So Joss Whedon made Firefly. Uh, he was the creator of it. And then lots of other people worked on it and wrote things and, and took part in the Firefly thing. But he signed off on all of it as like, yep, yeah, that's, that's in there, right? Or he gave his permission to include that in the work, including the comics. Um, so uh, because Joss Whedon put his name on it, then it's pretty clear to say like, yep, yeah, that is a canonical thing because Joss was, approved it, right? And we know who the authority is in that case. Something like Star Wars has now changed hands so many times that who's approving these things. And maybe and maybe maybe something like Star Wars is a bad example just because it's under development still. So they're still making those stories and maybe maybe the discussion of canon really should and maybe this is another part of this whole pop culture thing is that canon in the the biblical sense was stories that have already been written trying to decide which ones are true and which ones get included in this book that we're putting together. Whereas when the work is still under development there we're still creating so many pieces of it it's not till like 100 years later that we decide which ones are canon well and i think that this is i mean i i this is a, an important point like when you said heidegger in the canon i immediately got my back up against a wall yeah because he's too recent he's too recent like we're we're talking you know a, a guy who was writing 60 years ago uh 60 yeah, 70 80 years ago and so that's he couldn't possibly be canon that's absurd but the the getting my back up against a wall kind of points to the the difficulty with with looking and assessing something while we're in it. Uh, another good example would be J.K. Rowling, uh, who is writing, uh, or it's actually coming out this summer, isn't it? The uh-huh. the play based that is going to like that it, they're calling the eighth Harry Potter story or yep. whatever that yep. takes place years later. The cursed child. Yeah. Yeah, and. And questions of canon are uh, just everywhere in this. Like, for example, um, the fact that it's a play, does that make it not canonical? Like, the, mm-hmm. the, the fact that it isn't actually a Harry Potter story in the sense that it doesn't take place at Hogwarts in the same sort of style, does that make it canonical? These sorts of debates. And, and we're having all these debates while the author is still kicking around, you know, figuring out what she's doing with the stories and the characters that she she's playing with yeah and they're coming out with like fantastic beasts and where to find them as a movie is that right that's right uh not not just one i think they're doing a trilogy i think they've already committed to a yeah of fantastic beasts and where to find them a textbook yeah. weird um yeah, so textbook, uh, <laughs> is that canon monsters. uh are the movies and this is this is where canon especially comes into play for me uh with something like harry potter is that uh, and I think something Marvel did really well when they called it the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. And they made a clear distinction between the comics and the movies. And so the movies and the Netflix shows and the TV shows and all that stuff all are the cinematic universe versus the other universe. So this cinematic universe is has a different canon, right? Uh, whereas with Harry Potter, it's like, well, are the movies canon or are the books canon? Because they differ. They, dramatically in some right cases, and yeah. the endings are different the, the events that take place are different like there there are differences between the two so which one is canonical how what how did harry potter or what did harry potter do with the elder wand there is no answer to that right now 
because he either breaks it and throws it in a lake or he uses it to repair his wand and then never talks about it again. Which one is the cursed child based on? The one that happens 30 years later. I have no idea. Maybe it won't matter. But it is. it does bring up questions of, of canon where now the story just by transcending mediums has changed some facts. Yeah, transcending mediums, transcending authors, and and it ceases to be a singular story at some point and starts to develop into a broader um, mythical, it takes a mythical quality to it uh, as, as time goes on, where it almost isn't important which one is the true one, in except in the sense that, you know, there are many there are many stories of Harry Potter, as it turns out. You know, there are, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are comic books too. Um, but, you know, so the, so let's say there's comic book Harry Potter, there's movie Harry Potter, and there's, there's the original uh, books Harry Potter. And there's American Harry Potter, where he stole the Sorcerer's Stone, not the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> right, which I'm pretty sure, uh, and this, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to how they answer this, but they do use the term Philosopher's Stone later on in the books, and I wonder if in the American versions they had to switch it to Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, man, I'm sure they changed it to Sorcerer's Stone. Right, and otherwise you're going to have all these really confused Americans, right? Because philosophy and, and uh, sorcery are the same thing. Which is super confusing because the Philosopher's Stone is a, a long-standing concept. Ugh, okay. Anyway. I know, it's, a, it's not, it's not <laughs> J.K. Rowling didn't make it up. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so like there are so many different versions of Harry Potter now. Which one's canon? Does J.K. Rowling decide? Does she not care? Um, is it up to the creator? of the work to decide what is canon because in the biblical terms that's not true uh it was the scholars years later that decided what was canon so is is canon even up to the creator or does the creator just make a bunch of work and then someone says this is canon this is this is one of those things that that gets tricky with some some of our older stuff like so going going back to plato for example there are things that you know for a long time we weren't sure if plato had written them yeah sure and and we and and academics debated back and forth whether whether these particular uh these the uh plato or aristotle or whoever wrote these things and and that was a debate about canon uh and authorship yeah you know and and not a debate about philosophy because let's say Plato wrote them, but they're just lousy philosophy, you know? Yeah. So, so Plato still wrote yeah. them, but we'll, we're going to ignore them for the purposes of our our philosophy. But you end up with, with things like, um, like what, what, what does Plato believe about blank? Right. Well, he wrote, there's one thing that is said that he wrote that says this, and there's another thing that says the opposite. Then canon matters because we need to know which one Plato actually wrote and or which one he believed if we're going to discuss Plato's beliefs on this thing, which means that it is kind of important what he wrote. Well, and 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 it is. And I mean, another uh, another example would be. So a couple of years ago, it came out that someone had found a copy of a Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes uh, story that he had, like it was just this four-page thing that was for some newspaper or whatever that had been lost until then. Yeah, and and reading it, it didn't it didn't feel very Sherlock Holmesy, and it didn't like it it 
it, it didn't have any sort of mystery to it and the character kind of it came off as bland and and didn't feel like a Sherlock Holmes story. Now, in the end, I think it was determined that that was uh, that was not actually Sir Arthur Conan Doyle uh, at all. But if it was, so what? Like it, you know, he wrote a story that we didn't like. Yeah, does it actually? And it and it didn't feel right. Um, but okay, so what? I mean, at what point? Do we exclude it from the canon just because it's bad or include it despite the fact that we don't like it? Yeah, and whether or not we like it, does that actually matter? So, yeah, so I, I just want to bring up something here. Um, yeah, do we it are, up. We're getting into this podcast. Um, and it's an article that I just read recently. I think it came out just like a few days ago even, uh, or like a week ago on May 30th. Uh, I have it here. It's called Fandom is Broken. Have you had a chance to read it? I haven't yet. Uh, so you can find it, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's at birthmoviesdeath.com, I think, and it's an article by a man named Devin Faraci, uh, or a woman named Devin Faraci, I'm not sure. Uh, but the, the, the article is called Phantom is Broken, and I haven't completely finished the whole thing because it's a wonderfully long article, but I'm going to give you the, the, the thoughts that it made me think of almost immediately on, and the whole article is based around the concept of the, the book Misery, or the film Misery. The uh, which book I'm, or the film? <laughs> uh, oh, zing. Uh, Stephen King will have to decide which one's canon. But uh, Stephen King wrote, if I'm not mistaken. He did. About a fan of a writer, and the writer gets in a car accident. She finds him. She keeps him prisoner in her house and forces her to rewrite uh, write more stories about her favorite character, Misery, who he killed in his last book. Is that a summation good enough yep, for you? that's all. And this uh, writer of this article likens that to what is happening now with our authors and creators creating content and allowing their fans to force them to write the stories that they want them to write and change what they might otherwise do. So if uh, a writer, uh, if J.K. Rowling decides that Hermione Granger is black, which is a controversy that happened recently. Uh, and the fans freak out, and there's a Twitter storm, and there's Facebook social media stuff goes wild, and J.K. Rowling gets put under a whole bunch of pressure, and so she either has to change her mind, or she has to double down on it, or the fans are going to tell her she's wrong, and but she thinks she's right, and like the fans are controlling what the story actually is. It's sort of the gist of this article, and I think it actually relates really well to what we've been talking about, which is canon. Who gets to decide what is canon? Does the author get to make the decision as to what the story means? Or is there a certain point where the story is no longer in the hands of the author, but in the hands of the fans who love it and who are demanding from the author certain types of stories uh, in order for it to be included in the, the fiction or, uh, or a certain type of narrative or uh, they, they put certain expectations on the author? And and this is this is an interesting question that you know. Funnily enough, I had no expectation that this was going to revolve around Sherlock Holmes so much. But Sir Arthur Conan Doyle didn't really enjoy writing Sherlock Holmes stories. Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't something that he did uh, out of love of the art. He did it because he needed to make money. Yeah. And he he famously kills off Sherlock Holmes. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So that he didn't have to write any more damn Sherlock Holmes stories. And had to bring him back in order to, you know, please his fans and make money. Yeah. And that's a really interesting example because 
I, I still say that Sherlock Holmes, the, the stories are fantastic stories. I say that they're fantastically written. I think that they're uh, a, a wonderful piece of uh, our, our literature tradition that happened uh, in some ways despite the author's own desire to take part. Yeah. And so I, I agree that when you when you become too beholden to your audience and cease to create, I think that that changes your work. But I also, I mean, it's hard not, it's, it, it would be hard to create work independent of your audience. Like we're always creating something with the hope that someone will uh, enjoy it and appreciate it and like it mm-hmm. and, and whatever that may mean. And so for JK Rowling, does that mean that, you know, she's so concerned about whether her audience likes her books that she changes her mind about, say, whether Hermione is black. I, I, I don't know. It, it becomes a difficult, like that becomes this weird, multi-layered sort of question that that becomes hard to get at even what we're trying to to look at. In the one hand, like Jake, okay, so J.K. Rowling says, "Cool, there's there's a, a black uh, Hermione in the play. Hermione could be black all along. Fine. So what? Does that change the books at all for the reader? Not really. And I think, yeah, and and I think this is where the term canon in our popular culture is actually kind of being used correctly, um, uh, because when I think of like biblical canon." That causes holy wars, right, between people and makes people divided over what is canon. And then we end up with uh, the Protestants and the Catholics or the um, I'm not even going to try and list any other sects of other things, but you get the idea. There's lots of different interpretations and therefore different canonical beliefs and therefore they people hate each other because of it and we see it on the internet and this article again was was talking about these flame wars on the internet over people who have different interpretations of batman or whether or not they should be allowed to make an all-female ghostbusters reboot you know like uh like these huge holy wars start i think they're called they call them flame wars on the internet what do they call them holy wars yep Flame Wars works. Flame Holy Wars. Wars is something else. Um, but like it, 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 it uh, and, and we, the word canon actually is being used kind of appropriately here because we have different opinions and therefore hate each other because of it. Um, and also like, well, I, I can't remember what I said, but I, I said something about Star Wars or something about some movie franchise thing and some characters, uh, an opinion on a character that someone was like, oh, that's blasphemy. And they used the word blasphemy which again comes from a religious place of saying something you're never supposed to say about the story, you know, like, uh, and, and so I think, I think calling it canon actually is pretty apt to, to how people treat it, even if it's not as extreme, like we're not killing each other uh, or going to war literally, but we are fighting each other and standing on opposing views of something that in the end is actually rather trivial. See, but I, I don't necessarily object to the the debate and the discussion, say, about which, which Star Wars uh, books are canonical and which are not, or which, which pieces of the Star Wars universe fit. I, I, I don't object to the debate because in some ways that debate can be clarifying in that, you know, if, if I like the the star wars canon and these these are the books that we that you know somebody tells me are also in the canon 
then then I have a higher likelihood of enjoying them. It's it's when the debates, I think you're right, take on this absolute truth sort of sense where, you know, these are these are the things like, I I like that there are multiple canons in in that it allows it allows us to have a conversation about how to categorize and group works in different ways. Yeah. And if you were to tell me there's only one Star Wars canon and it's this, and it's like, okay, that doesn't exactly tell me anything terribly useful that I can use. Yeah. In the biblical sense, it does, or it's supposed to. These are the books that we have decided are capital T truth. Yeah. In With regards to Batman... It doesn't tell me anything of value if you were to say that these are the canonical Batman stories, unless I guess I'm trying to tell a canonical Batman story. And it comes to things of like, uh, you, so you have the canon of uh, what's his name? What's his name's Batman's? The Dark Knight? What are those called? Um, uh, Christian Bale's the guy who's in it, but it's uh, the guy who did Inception. Yeah, I know. How come we can't remember his name? Uh, Christopher Nolan. Thank you. Christopher Nolan's Batman. Uh, and how there there it could be said there's a canonical Christopher Nolan's Batman, right? Like those three movies are the canon of that Batman, um, which is inspired by the Dark Knight comic, right? Yeah. And then the t- the Netflix show Gotham is not connected to it, but takes some of the canon from Christopher Nolan's Batman and puts it into Gotham, like some of the 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 character types and stuff like that are in his Batman, right? The mobsters, the same mobsters are around and stuff like that. So like he uses that, that as uh, the the Gotham show uses that kind of loosely as it's canon. But so is that, uh, so up to me, I would probably put them in the same canon, but a lot of people wouldn't. And as long as we aren't going on the internet, calling each other horrible names and uh, like Facebook bombing each other, then it's okay. Like, I mean, don't be dicks on the internet. Like that's <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I agree with you that I enjoy the debate that happens because of these different canons. You know, where you, uh, you and I, um, what's something like so? Ender's Game, uh, the series, and Jane, his computer that he knows. I know that they met because she presented herself to him as a financial program. Uh, a computer financing program and started managing his finances for him and acting like a really smart finance helper. Um, but, and if that's canon or not, I don't know. I, we could debate over whether you think that's how it actually happened. Even though Orson Scott Card wrote it, it would lead to some debates and discussion. But it's not like we're going to build camps of Jane is an accounting software or Jane was an accounting software when she introduced herself to Jane was not an accounting software when she introduced herself and start fighting each other to the death over it. Because it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and I, I think this is why you're right to point out the the way that the term isn't particularly useful. Because if we if you and I want to have a debate about whether or not Jane as financial software makes sense and fits with the stories that we that we understand them to be, that's a useful debate, or or at least an interesting debate for you and I to have. Yeah. Uh, as I I mean as people who have, you know, 40 hours of podcasts dedicated to, you know, those sorts of discussions. I think that that's, that's valuable. But what's, what's not valuable is for me to say, nope, that's not true. You're stupid for thinking that. Yeah. Now I hate you. 
Yeah. Right. And that's the like, oh my gosh, you think Jane is an accounting software? I hate you now. Forever. Never going <laughs> to talk to you again. That is where Canon takes us, is if we have a canonical thing. It's like, it's like people are saying that to them, each other on the internet. <laughs> I will never speak to you again. I hate you. Although that would be better than what happens sometimes. Okay, so so back to your question. What are we looking for when we're trying to decide what fits into our canon? <laughs> I believe that was your question 50 minutes ago. Uh, and I mean, I, I, I guess when we invoke the word canon, we're looking for uh, a capital T truth, something that we can we can say is absolutely perfectly true. And these are the things that are perfectly true and you can't disagree with them. Yeah. And that's, I think, wh- where it, it gets into the difficulty of, well, I mean, maybe it's not capital T true because it's art, dummy, and and art has room for interpretation and subjectivity. So you know what? Hermione could be black. She could also not be black. She could be any number of, of backgrounds and ethnicities uh, because it doesn't really say and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And um, so like, yeah, what are we as people looking for when we're including things in our canon or when we're trying to decide what constitutes canon? It is that that capital T truth. It needs to make sense to us. Right. And so I think why so many people objected to the Hermione Granger being black is because it doesn't make sense to us because she's not she, she in the movies is not black. And J.K. Rowling didn't object to it then. Um, in the books, she's described as having frizzy hair and bucked teeth, which uh, and on the all the artwork on the front of the books, she's not black. And so you're like, why? How? Why did you? Did you just make that up? Because that doesn't make sense to me from everything else I've seen. Uh, and so I think we're looking for maybe maybe not the capital T truth of the situation, but we're looking for answers that. Uh, conform with our uh, our pre-existing biases yeah and i think i think the the hermione granger example is is interesting in that you know a lot of white people didn't see hermione as black surprise surprise that a white person doesn't identify a neutral or identifies a neutral character as them and and you have to you have to other them in some way and this is where we get into all kinds of you know questions of uh broader reading and interpretation but um i i think you're right to point to the the it doesn't seem to fit with what i seem to believe to be true well and what else i've seen about the the works the movies the books the covers of the books the everything of it whereas like you know padma and pavardi patil yes they are of indian descent uh and when you see them in the films and they are indian uh you're like yep that that's who they are. That's that's Parvati and Padma Patil. Yeah, that's the twins. Great, I get it, and it fits with what what I saw when I saw read the book. Yeah, and I, I uh, another good example within Harry Potter would be whether Dumbledore is gay or not, right? Yeah, and whether or not you you could read and believe Dumbledore to be gay as true partially depends on where you're coming from as a as a human being and your perspective and like yep the that's my understanding of homosexuals and could be anyone and and it doesn't it doesn't have to be stated or the people who are like there's no way that's true dumbledore could couldn't be gay well why why not why not yeah there's nothing in there that says he's not gay 
Yeah, and so it it gets into the the kind of person we're looking we are when we're looking into a text as much as it is about what the text it, itself says. Yeah. So in in fact what we're looking for is lowercase t truth. <laughs> but what we call is capital T truth. Yeah, even though it's just what we want to fit. Uh any closing thoughts? Uh no, this this episode fits into uh the canon of uh <laughs> of the Dave Morris Stephen Orr style guide. And as one half of Style Guide, I can definitively say that. Yeah, although it doesn't fit into the overall canon of works by Dave Morris. This is not an official work. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's absurd, Dave. Truth is absurd. <laughs> That's not the final line of the podcast, <laughs> you pretentious dick. It's how you know it's true is because it doesn't make sense. I hate you. Thank mm-hmm. you.